This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Oh, I can't believe it. Music of the Man is two years old. It seems like only yesterday that episode one was coming out. And in the blink of an eye, here we are with the two-year anniversary show. I'm sure all my friends have left me messages on my answering machine congratulating me on the occasion. You have no new messages. Hmm, I'm sure they'll call when the show drops. I've got the topic... I've got my adorable disposition. All I need to do now is lock down that co-host and we'll be good to go. Ah, speak of the devil, that should be him. Hello? Um, hello? Wait, who am I calling? Chris! Hey man, it's Andrew. Andrew? Oh, shit. I thought I was calling Triple H. He left me a message. He's offering me a contract. Jeez, I guess they really are sending everybody. Yeah, sorry about that, Chris. That was actually me. But, uh, hey, you gotta admit, my Triple H impression was that damn good. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Alright, look, I'm sorry for the trickery, okay? I am. But, look, I had to talk to you. You haven't been returning my texts or my calls since you left the show. Left the show? Andrew, listen, I didn't leave. You fired me. <sighs> Technically, yes, but... But it was strictly for budgetary reasons. Andrew, it's a free podcast. It doesn't have a budget. Well, not with the rates you charge. You know what? I'm hanging up. I don't have time for this. Wait, I got a wait, things- wait. Please, just, just don't hang up, okay? Please don't hang up. I'll come clean. <sighs> Look, it's the two-year anniversary show, and I was thinking of doing something special. Give the audience a real treat, and I figured... What better treat could there be than to reunite the power chords of pain? Get the band back together, Butch and Sundance! So you want me back on the show? Just for this one episode, I promise it'll be great. And then, afterwards, you know, you can go back to avoiding me. So just this one episode, what do you say, man? (sighs) Andrew, I've told you this a thousand times before. Our days of podcasting together are over. So I don't care what you have planned for this episode. It could be a topic that I've dreamt of doing my entire life. No matter what, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. So, your answer is no. My answer is no. Okay then, well, I guess that's that. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I suppose I'll just hang up now and try to find someone else to talk about WWF aggression with me. Wait, Aggression? THE Aggression? That's right, Bubbala. The album that combines the WWF's most popular superstars with some of hip-hop's biggest names. Method Man. Snoop Dogg. Mino. Mino. But if you don't want to do it, then that's your decision. So wait, I guess wait, I'll wait, just... wait. Hold on, hold on. Just... wait. I'll do it. Yes! But on one condition. Name it. You have to promise me that you won't do anything cheesy during the episode. I've been wanting to talk about aggression for years, and I do not want you goofing it up. I want this to be a serious, no-nonsense podcast. Alright? 
Chris, I swear on the heavy metal guitars of Jim Johnston that I will not do anything goofy during the episode. You have my word, I promise. Alright then. Well, I guess I'll see you on the podcast. Yes, you will. Oh man, this is gonna be great. You will not regret this at all, Chris. Yeah, well, somehow I doubt that. Chris and Andrew, together again. It's going to be spectacular. Although, I am a little worried about that no goofiness clause. Wait a minute. I can do it in the intro! Loophole! Hit it, Johnny! Hello, and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today, he's back and better than ever. Got a knack for making things better. It's Music of the Mat co-creator and former co-host, Mr. Chris Maffei. Chris, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much, and happy anniversary. Yes, yes, this is the two-year anniversary. It's, it's weird. It seems like yesterday that we were doing the one-year anniversary show, Yeah. and now we're doing the two-year anniversary show. It's pretty wild. Time flies, man. Time flies. And congrats to you on surpassing 50 episodes and just Thank you. keeping this thing going for the past year. You've been doing a hell of a job, and it's just really fun to listen Every week, I love what you bring to this show and and what all of your co-hosts bring to the show. Everyone brings a little something different. So it's always a real treat to get to listen. And now I'm just I'm really happy to be back on. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Definitely. You know, it's um, it's been uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> had to break the ice that way, I guess. Yeah, it, it's been over a year since you, I guess, formally left the show as an official co-host and Somehow, some way, I've been keeping this ship afloat. Uh, even I'm shocked at that, to be honest with you. But uh, yes, if anybody out there is curious, uh, yes, Chris and I, we do still keep in touch often. The intro there was just a bit of cheeky fun. But uh, yeah, Chris- kayfabe, kayfabe. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll cut that apart out. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I actually, uh, when you when you initially texted me, I thought we were going to talk about the Noah tag team, the aggression, and oh, I, I, I was you. all fired up about that. Oh, come on now, sir. Get serious. Come on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Chris, uh, what have you been up to in the past uh, year or so since you've been on? Oh, well, you know, this and that. Uh, no, it's actually been uh, probably the most eventful year of, of my life. A lot of a lot of big things happening. And, and this year looks to be no different, probably even bigger. 
Um, I'm actually going to be getting married this year, which is really cool. Um, so I'm super happy about that. Uh, I've been living with, uh, living with my now fiance for the past seven or so months. So that's been really cool. And, uh, I've actually gotten back into wrestling in, in that, in the time since I've last been on the show, I wasn't really watching then, but I've gotten back into things now watching a lot of dragon gate, new Japan, and definitely interested in seeing what all elite's going to be up to bringing in some dragon system people. So I'm really, uh, really psyched for the good hearts, Andrew. <laughs> Yes, yes, I think we all are, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I congratulated you about your uh, marriage via text, but uh, I'll say it again here, congrats on it. I, I'm really happy for you. Thank man. you, really thank am. you, thank yeah. you. Who would have a little, a little word of advice, though. A little word of advice from your old pal Andrew here. When you're at the altar, make sure the priest isn't actually <laughs> Eric Bischoff in a latex mask. Because trust me on this, I've been here before. Getting attacked by three-minute warning at your wedding is a bad way to start it. You son of a gun. That's exactly what I'm going to think of now when I'm, <laughs> on, when I'm at the altar. That's exactly what I'm going to be thinking of. And, and hopefully no one says three minutes. Yeah. Uh, today, Chris, uh, we are here on episode 51, again, the two-year anniversary show of Music of the Mat. And I figured what better way to celebrate than to talk about an album that we sort of teased doing here and there over the past few years. And now we're finally doing it. I'm talking about WWF Aggression. And for those of you out there who do not know what Aggression is, it's an album that came out on March 21st, 2000, and it features a number of mainstream hip-hop artists and groups taking the entrance themes of many popular WWF superstars of the time and reinterpreting them as hip-hop songs, giving them hip-hop beats, using hip-hop sounds and instrumentation and production techniques, and of course writing and performing new hip-hop lyrics. That's the gist of the album. Um, now, I personally have pretty much zero experience with this album before this episode, uh, either when it came out or since I became a fan of wrestling. I've heard a few tracks, uh, mainly for this podcast, because we have played a few of them, but I've never sat down and listened to this thing in full until now. Uh, Chris, on the other hand, you have plenty of experience with this bad boy. What is your history with WWF aggression, your feelings about it, and, and so on and so forth? Well, uh, I certainly go back with aggression. I'll say that. Um, I was introduced to hip hop by the same cousin who introduced me to wrestling. And I've mentioned him uh, multiple times on the show when it comes up. Um, but these were two very big interests for me at like nine, 10 years old. So needless to say, I was very excited about an album that would combine rap and wrestling because I was always listening to wrestling music to begin with. Anyway, I always had either WWF, the music volume three or volume four in my cassette player or my CD player. So, so this was, this was big for me. And, and I was familiar enough with the artists on the album, some of the artists on the album, not all of them. I was familiar enough with them that it was a big deal to me when it came out. And, you know, I listened to it quite a bit. Um, but not it, not as much as volume three and volume four and then later, you know, volume five and the anthology and, and forcible entry, which that got a lot of heavy rotation with me. Aggression, not as much, uh, not as much for for various reasons that we'll probably touch on 
<laughs> you know, to start out with some positive, I think they got a pretty cool variety of rappers and producers for this project. You know, there are some obvious names, uh, but there are also some more underground artists who I think I'd come to appreciate later. You know, as I got older, exploring different types of hip hop, uh, there was a thing where I'd kind of always always find myself going, oh, that's the guy from Aggression, like with like Peanut Butter Wolf, who's uh, from Stone's Throw Records, uh, Rock from Helta Skelta, which is one of my favorite all time hip hop groups, Raskas, R.A. the Rugged Man, you know, people that I would come to um, kind of explore their work later on in life. And I would always kind of just think back, oh, yeah, they were they were on Aggression. Um, so looking back now, the album hasn't really aged particularly well with me. Um, so I'm interested to see how you kind of approach it, coming at it mostly for the first time, because there's, uh, I mean, there are certainly some tracks on here, <laughs> we should say. Yeah, uh, it's well documented on this show uh, that hip hop. I'm not the biggest fan of it in the world. Um, it's not my bag, baby, to quote Austin Powers there. Uh, <laughs> having said that, though, you know, doing my, I guess, my basic research on this album beforehand, I, I never realized really how important this album kind of is because this is the first WWF album to exclusively feature outside artists performing the themes. This is, this is not Jim Johnston in the studio by himself laying down some sick beats, yo. You know, you've got legitimate hip-hop stars who are all over this entire album. Run DMC, Method Man, Red Man, Snoop Dogg, Cool Keith, Mystical. You've got Johnston executive producing, but the track producers themselves are hip-hop producers like Binky and Jam Master J and Rock Wilder. Sure, you had instances before in the 80s and 90s where Rick Derringer played on a few tracks or the Slam Jam Band having members of Anthrax and Sabotage and Overkill. But this is the first time ever that an entire WWF album is like this. I stress WWF album because ECW Extreme Music came out a few years prior to that. And that's, that's chock full of, of outside bands. But for the WWF, this is groundbreaking because, you know, because of this album, I think you get Forcible Entry in 2002, which has all the metal bands on it. You get Reckless Intent in 06. You might even say that the influx of outside artists doing themes for WWE superstars that happened in the 2000s is due in large part to aggression even though most of these songs here were not used as themes on programming, some of them still were. So even though, you know, I'm not a huge fan of this album, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge how important this album is in the grand scheme of wrestling music, I think. Exactly. And it was kind of a big deal at the time, just that mere concept of, wow, this is the first time an entire album is being dedicated to bringing in outside artists. And especially at the time, late 90s, you know, hip hop is on the rise. It's becoming, you know, what we see it now as kind of the dominant music here, at least in the U.S. And it was just really it was at least for kind of my friends and me at the time at that age. It was a big deal. Um, and, you know, there are a few schools of thought when it comes to getting outside artists to create themes for a wrestler and 
on aggression, it's mostly the process of either just directly sampling or kind of interpolating and reimagining the wrestler's existing theme and then just programming some hip hop drums around it and then just letting the rapper do whatever they want. And sometimes it's on topic and sometimes it's not. And I think the fact that only four of these tracks on this album were used as entrance themes with only one of them actually lasting and sticking around for a little while. I I mean, I think that's pretty telling of the actual output of this album because, you know, as it stands, I mean, I don't think this would appeal to anyone who wasn't already a wrestling fan. You know, wrestling fans are probably the only ones who bought this album. Although, you know, at the time there were a lot of them because this actually charted at number eight on the Billboard 200, which is crazy to me. Like, that's insane. But I don't think this is the type of album that's going to bring new fans to wrestling. Whereas if you did something today like this and you got current rappers and you did a certain way, I think you could absolutely have that kind of crossover, you know, bringing some new fans into wrestling. Hey, my favorite rapper is is talking about, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura. Let, let's see what this guy's all about. This might be kind of cool. Or I used to watch wrestling as a kid. Maybe I'll get back into this. This seems like a cool project. But I think this album might have turned some wrestling fans into hip hop fans or at least exposed them to different hip hop artists. So in that respect, I think it's kind of cool as well. Mm. Well, I think the hip hop aspect of it is important too. You know, not just the fact that this album is hip hop. This album is like straight up in a lot of ways, hardcore gangster rap. Yeah. That's a really big deal, especially for this company, you know, because you mentioned Chris a year ago on the X-Pac episode when we talked about Break It Down, the WWF during the 90s always seemed like it was like five years behind the times when it came to music, while the rest of the world was, you know, listening to grunge and metal and hip-hop and techno, the WWF themes sounded retro in comparison, and then along came Break It Down, and it was like this great leap forward in a lot of ways. Well, Aggression is, is kind of another great leap forward here, because... The WWF in the late 90s, even though they were the Attitude Era, they weren't really featuring hardcore gangster rap all that much. Some themes had rap and hip-hop in them, but it was mainly rock themes, metal, electronica. And I'm sure there were plenty of fans, such as yourself, who were wondering, you know, where's my (laughs) hip-hop? Where's my hip-hop? They're the the extra hip hop league. Uh, <laughs> here you go, here you go. This this is the hip hop hardcore gangster rap injection that I'm sure a lot of wrestling fans were craving at the time. Even though, of course, they don't go nearly as explicit as hardcore hip hop can go. Right. Pretty much, almost any swearing on the album is bleeped out or muted out. I thought that was really funny. You don't usually hear that. Usually, it's just muted. Yeah, yeah, it's still a monumental, I think, occasion to have this music be part of the WWF. Yeah, that's a really good point, because up until this point, basically the only rap themes were like the Nation of Domination. And then like when Farouk split from the nation, his theme had, you know, had a rapper on it, but it was still like the Jim Johnston heavy metal production with a rapper on top. You know, like it's not it's not authentic to what hip hop is and it's not going to appeal to, you know, someone flicking the channels and it, like something as, as simple as someone flicking the channels it's on wrestling oh this guy has a cool theme song what's he all about oh this is pretty cool you, it's something as simple as that can even help you get into something like I, I can't tell you how many people I liked 
as a kid just because I thought their theme song was cool. It, like mm. X-Pac, like yeah. case in point. We talked about this last year. Like did a whole episode about him. <laughs> did a whole episode about him. But, you know, it was it was really big at the time. And, you know, it is probably the first full album, the first full full WWF production that does sound of its time, because I've always felt that wrestling music, especially WWF and WWE, is always kind of about five years behind the trend or behind the curve. So everything's kind of, you know, with CFOs has helped that helped out a lot with that in recent years in kind of, in kind of bringing more current sounding music to the product. But before that, it was always kind of a little bit behind the curve because, you know, Jim Johnston, he's not exactly out there, you know, in touch with what the, with what the young kids are listening to. He's not keeping up with the young trends. You know, he's kind of just pulling from his own inspirations and trying to, you know, mix in some other styles with that. So the production here, while I find it underwhelming for just a pure hip hop fan, it is of its time. And this was a time when you're really starting to shift towards music, using more keyboards and not relying as heavily on chopping samples and drum breaks like the early and mid nineties. So you hear a lot of stock sounds from these big rompler keyboards from Roland and Korg and Yamaha and these sound modules, and it's kind of a more sterile and clinical sound, which was big at the time, especially after Dr. Dre released 2001. I mean, that changed the whole sound of, of hip-hop going forward, and you had producers also like the Neptunes and uh, Swizz Beats and Dame Grease, who is also on this album. So it does sound of its time, and, and it's something that's way more current and way more quote-unquote hip than, yeah, than they had ever done before. So before we get into it, I have a few facts and figures about this album. Uh, I mentioned earlier it came out on March 21st, 2000. Uh, it was released on Priority Records, which was a label that distributed a lot of hip-hop acts, actually. Uh, N.W.A., Ice Cube, Master P, Jay-Z, Snoop Dogg, Ice-T, who are the, – the latter two are on this album, of course, and uh, many other people. So again, a legit connection to hip-hop there. Uh, it charted, again, at number 8 on the Billboard 200, number 10 on Billboard R&B slash hip-hop albums, and number 6 on the Canadian album charts. It is certified gold in America and Canada, and certified silver in the UK. And in terms of sales, it didn't do as well as other albums. Like, Volumes 3 and 4 sold over a million each, and went platinum. This only sold about 500 grand, but still getting a gold album out of a project like this, yeah. where it's mostly songs that are not themes and are not featured on WWF programming and are, to be honest, a niche pretty much. That's pretty impressive, I think. Oh, that's definitely impressive. I mean, it shows you how many wrestling fans there were at the time in that era, that late 90s, early 2000s era. And how many wrestling fans also were hip hop fans. So just that alone is, is you know, they did hit on something that they had uh, with a certain pocket of fans there. But I think that if they did this today and if they did it the right way and if you had a team like CFOs kind of overseeing it and they would know who to work with, you know, actually bring in artists who have some wrestling knowledge, you know people are there are plenty of rappers who are wrestling fans you know they they're wrestling punchlines they're they're a very big thing and you know who who the rappers are who are wrestling fans if you're a hip-hop fan so it's just get those people you know if, if you left it to wwe 
they would have Flo Rida, they would have Pitbull, mm-hmm. they would have Machine Gun Kelly, Fred Durst. They, 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 would, they would have John Cena on this if they did this today. <laughs> um, and I think it's interesting, and I, I want to note that there is someone who is actually doing this the right way today. There's a YouTube channel called Wrestle and Flow. I don't yes. know if you've heard of this. I have heard of it. I follow him on Twitter. It, it, this It's really Great cool. Great stuff. Great stuff. It's really cool. And I just wanted to give him a shout out because this is that guy. He's he's just a fan and he's doing this the right way, the way it should have been done on this album. There, there are so many things I think this album would have benefited from, you know, like a better roster selection, you know, like creating themes for wrestlers who would actually use a hip hop theme in the first place. Uh, you know, better production, but mostly just making sure that the artists fully understand the characters they're supposed to be writing and rapping about and making sure the lyrics are generally on topic and befitting of the subject matter. So if you're looking for for the kind of hip hop and wrestling crossover that actually works, Wrestle and Flow is it. All right, so let's dive into WWF Aggression. We've got 13 tracks to discuss here. And we're going to start off with track number one. This is Run DMC with a track for DX. Uh, we actually talked about this one all the way back with Rich Krejci. We did. Back on episode 11, Hip Hop Themes Volume 1. So a little uh, return here for this one. This is called The Kings. of the mat the king of rock who the king of rock what the king of rock who the king of rock what and now the conclusion the king of rock who the king of rock what the king of rock who <laughs> but uh, you know seriously though we, we, we kind of spoke our piece about this song on that old hip-hop episode way back in the day but i think it's good to revisit it now for this album and put it in the context of the album because as the first track on aggression, it actually sets a few recurring motifs <laughs> that we'll see over the course of it. Uh, number one, the fact that you know a good portion of songs on this album use the themes of the wrestlers as backing tracks. Of course, they're putting their own little remixes into it, but it's obvious that Break It Down, the DX theme, is the backing track for the Kings. And I think that's really smart because there's a sense of familiarity there you can build off of with the old themes and melodies in there but it also gives the rappers a chance to make something fresh out of a theme we've heard a thousand times already number two if you look at the lyrics for some of these songs 
they're not always stuffed to the gills with wrestling references. Like, The King's isn't Chris is Awesome by any means. No. You'll get name drops, you'll get some references here and there, but for the most part, a good amount of these themes are a lot more general, about general toughness, and we're the best, and we'll beat you up, and you suck, and all that kind of stuff, which is fitting for a hip-hop song, because that's, you know, bravado is a big part of hip-hop and that culture. But in terms of, you know, a wrestling hip-hop song, being more general about other things besides the wrestlers, and, and, and you know, skewing your lyrics more towards maybe the rappers themselves, it's not the brightest idea, I don't think, Chris. No, you know, they really shoehorned that DX reference in at the end there, let me tell you. Yeah, I, I was waiting for them to just go a little bit deeper into that sample law diatribe. I feel that's really what the wrestling audience really wants to hear about, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this this really did set the precedent for a lot of the tracks on the album having absolutely nothing to do with wrestling or the wrestlers themselves. You know, it's, uh, you gotta just talk about the seed to the apple and the apple to the core. You know, that's, like, what were they, do what were they doing here? It's like... It's like they wrote half a verse and then ah, we'll just wing the rest. We're legends. We can do this, you know, in our sleep. Uh, I think the only thing here really worth noting, and, and I listened back to when we uh, when we were talked with Rich about this, and the only thing worth noting there as well, uh, the production touches. I enjoyed some of the things like, you know, the sampled hits on the kick drums in the intro and, and just kind of giving the DX theme a different sound. I think I would have really preferred if this were just an instrumental, to be honest, because I don't think Run DMC really offer much in the way of uh, compelling lyrics or performance. I think their flow is stale. I think their style is stale here. I think their lyrics are stale. Um, you know, and I apologize if anyone does enjoy this song. I'm not trying to rain on your parade, but uh, I do have the unpopular uh, the unpopular opinion of uh, really just hating this song and the era in which it was used. I was not a fan of uh, the Stephanie McMahon Helmsley era of DX. Uh, I, I don't find the music video amusing where Triple H destroys a cop car and Jeff Hardy randomly does a swanton off of some scaffolding. I think that was a mess as well. Yeah, I, I just think uh, this really sets the tone for the album in whichever way you take it, either positive or negative. And for me, it's it's a negative. I was thinking about this earlier, actually. I know we joke about the King of Rock who? The King of Rock what? All that stuff. The cheesy lyrics. Yeah. An apple to a peach, a cherry to a plum. We won't stop rocking until you all get some. Not great. Not great at all. But if you think about it, little English major connections here, these cheesy lyrics are actually kind of perfect for this era of DX. Because, you know, original run DX, 97 to 99, they were meant to be this cutting-edge group, these revolutionaries who are pushing the boundaries break it down was this anthem against the system man dx 2000 was not that at all they were triple h's goons they were total goobers who had sold out and were now riding triple h's coattails they had gone from railing against the authority to becoming the authority. So them having these kind of sanitized goober lyrics, it actually makes kind of sense there, Chris. It does. And that's a great point. I think you brought up that point uh, when we talked about this last time and it really kind of connected it with me there. Like, yeah, this is kind of just two stale acts kind of coming together at a stale time and just making a, a perfect stale meal here. So that's kind of just what this is. Um, 
when I was taking notes and kind of writing down my thoughts and kind of trying to gather my thoughts on aggression in general, I uh, I, I kind of came up with a little gimmick to make this a little bit more fun. Um, and I ran this by you. Uh, but I, I thought of, you know, maybe talking about who should have done these tracks uh, for each track on the album. If we could pick other rappers or artists to to do these tracks, who would we pick? Um, and I don't know if if you uh, were able to pick anyone for this track. Uh, but for this track, I thought it would have been interesting if the Beastie Boys had done this track. Just from the standpoint of... Here's a bunch of goofy white guys who are kind of, again, out of touch at the time and kind of stale and just kind of, you know, more comedy than anything. I think it's kind of natural. I think they would fit in with the vibe of kind of the tone of the original Break It Down, kind of just a white guy yelling. Um, <laughs> I, I think they would. Uh, I think that would be kind of fun. I would be interested to hear what the Beastie Boys would have done with this one. Track number two, and this theme is for Mankind. And when I think, you know, Chris, of dangerous, unstable, hardcore legends in wrestling, yeah, I think of Mankind. And when I think of dangerous, unstable, hardcore legends in hip-hop, you bet your ass I think of Ol' Dirty Bastard, ODB. He's teaming up here with Cool Keith on a song called... Wreck. Cool Keith and Old Dirty for Mankind. Yeah! Yeah! And this is gonna be done with everything! 2000 texture, rhyming with old dirty with my New York Jets jersey. Left lineman coming in like mankind with diamonds sparkling around my rhymes. Black Levi suits, scully caps and boots, wigs with Grecian formula. Got us warning you with back slaps. We put on Mac caps, sitting VIP with blind man looking like Stevie. We nasty, sitting next to Regis and Kathy. Front row seats with Blowfly, the crowd is so high. Tickets with popcorn, we rock born. No circus here, just horses and a unicorn. Tuxedos and taxis, we roll with leather maxis. Catch the back breeze. Gypsy cats burn rubber, signing autographs for Danny Glover. Donnie Osmond and Dennis Rodman up in an empty furniture apartment. With Mexicans maids, rubbing the spots off the carpet. We move and face our targets. Punch, kick, fight, fight. Whatever you do, Chris, I know I mentioned just a little bit earlier here that some of these songs are not the most uh, referential when it comes to the wrestlers or wrestling. And having listened to this track here, I have to ask, what the fuck is going on here? That's the first thing I wrote down is, what the fuck is this? I mean, we we start out here with the classic Mick Foley car stinger. Yeah, right down the aisle. Cool Keith and the old dirty for mankind. Fine, okay, here we go. And then it just devolves into this gumbo of Morse code beeps and drum fills. Doesn't sound anything like the actual Mankind theme. Cool Keith is referencing Regis and Kathy, Danny Glover, Donny Osmond, Dennis Rodman. He's all over the place. With back springs, nobody's seen the girls pee on the mattress. Who was the actress when we had to take a leak? I was in the station wagon listening to Cannabis 
where basketball with glasses looking like Kurt Rambis right in the turnpike to Paramus. Chris, what in the blue hell does any of that have to do with uh, mankind? Uh, this It's just completely nonsensical. I mean, when Dennis Rodman is the closest thing to a wrestling reference, <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty bad. And when ODB is the most coherent part of the I know! Song, there, there's there's definitely something wrong here. You know, I Cool Keith, you know, his reputation is that his style is, you know, offbeat and eccentric. And you'd think that that would be befitting of mankind in a way, but it just, it doesn't connect in that right way. And the only thing that this could conceivably have to do with mankind is the chorus, where it's just punch, kick, fight, bite. I mean, that pretty accurately describes a lot of Mick Foley's offense. But again, that's ODB being the most coherent and on-topic <laughs> part of the song. Um, it's just, I don't know. This I, I never listened to this the full way through when I originally had this album. And it was a real chore getting through it at the end. Uh, but we did get to hear a, a bleep at the end. Just kick his boop ass. <laughs> I thought that was very funny because it, it, it's just not often that you hear actual bleeps within a rap song it's right. just it, it it just strikes me as being kind of out of touch with the way you censor music my only other thought here is that odb and jay lethal kind of sound similar to each other have you, have you did you pick up on that i did not no i, I noticed he had a kind of a rambly sense of, of way about him kind of sounds to me like if if jay lethal got knocked loopy <laughs> kind of sounds like it would uh... well, well well odb here you know on the surface when you listen to him and the way he raps and his voice here, admittedly, you know, he does come across as a bit of a nutball at first, which he is, to be fair. I mean, he was. the guy, he once showed up to cash a welfare check in a limo, for God's sake. But <laughs> looking closely at the lyrics in ODB's verse, they actually kind of make sense towards mankind. Punch, kick, fight, bite, whatever you do, just kick his fucking ass. Because I'm much different from the other MCs, because I got um, the amazing abilities. I can rock on the mic, so you can have a ball. I can fly through the air, stick to the wall. I can take a punch or get hit by a car. I can go to the nearest or farthest star. As a matter of fact, that's what I want to talk about, how I went to outer space just to be in the house. Let's review. Punch, kick, fight, bite, whatever you do, just kick his ass. These are things that Mankind does in his matches. He is a violent man. I can rock on the mic so you can have a ball. Good on promos. Check. I can fly through the air, stick to the wall. I don't know about the wall part, but Mick Foley has been known to fly through the air on occasion. I can take a punch or get hit by a car. Yes, indeed. Now, I don't know about the outer space part, uh, but... <laughs> A lot of what ODB says there does apply to mankind. It, ma it makes sense. You know, meanwhile, Cool Keith is rapping, The state trooper made me turn down the hip-hop. I got out and vomited on the ragtop. Super egg drop. Ugh! Pass me the towel. Was it McDonald's? I'm a Sue Ronald. Hey. Come on here. It's Come almost on. just stream of consciousness. It's It doesn't even really, I don't know. I, I can appreciate what he's doing. You know, it, it's different. It's it's on it's avant garde in its own way. It's offbeat. But you could have just given ODB this entire track. As a matter of fact, there's someone else who was actually on this album who I think would have maybe been able to do a good job with the Mankind song. And that's Redman. I think he would have been able to capture kind of the spirit, you know, the comedy and the tragedy 
of McFoley of mankind. So I, I think they should have got Redman to do this one instead of uh, instead of the corporation instead of Vince's song. But yeah, I think I think yeah, I agree. ODB with with what he did, I think he did uh, as good of a job as he could have. Uh, one more thing here. I was looking at the lyrics on Genius.com, and there was a link to an article about the making of this song, actually. And the really? article, it, it yes, it, it does shed a lot of light onto why the song is what it is. Uh, this is from MTV.com, and I'll jump around here with little bits. Two of the most eccentric and unpredictable musical artists on the planet – Rappers Cool Keith and Old Dirty Bastard have decided to join forces. Old Dirty Bastard used a day pass from a drug rehab center to record with the chameleon-like Cool Keith. ODB came in, we bought some chicken, and made a record spontaneously, Cool Keith said on Friday. It was kind of wild. We didn't have notes down pat. We just vibed off the stuff and made a nice little record. Keith said he had to change the theme song around to make it rappable. It has the Cool Keith flavor, Keith said. The track that we made, we can get away with the way we made it, he continued. ODB has no rules, and I didn't have any rules. It was cool. So, we've got two eccentric, unpredictable men, one of whom was still in rehab at the time, coming together to make a song with a lot of spontaneity. I'd say the song, it it now does make a lot more sense here, Chris. If you call it sense, then sure. All right, yeah, relatively speaking, of course, (laughs) but yes. (laughs) Let's move on now to track number three. Uh, We just had a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, ODB. Here's another one, Method Man. This song is for The Rock, and it's called Know Your Role. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? I smell it. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Smell it. Come on. Come on. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Yeah. Finally, the rock has come back. Laying down the smack on you monkey crap. Candy-coated axe. Into the squared circle with the great one. The most electrifying moves. Don't touch the station. Children and their children, they all chant with the millions upon millions of rock fans. Get ready for the square dance. Here's your chance for a can of ass whooping from the people's champ. If you smell what the rock's cooking. If you smell what the rock's cooking. If you smell what the rock's cooking. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? If you smell what the rock's cooking. You know, much like The Rock and Mankind, they're, they're two different characters in the WWF. It makes sense, then, that this song for The Rock would be a complete 180 from the Mankind song. Because the Mankind song, very manic, very off-the-wall, unpredictable to say the least... Know Your Role is not that at all. Know Your Role is about as streamlined, smooth, and on point and predictable of a rock hip-hop song as you can get. You've got The Rock's Stinger. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking in there as the refrain? You've got references aplenty to The Rock's catchphrases and nicknames. They're, They're coming out the wazoo here. And you've got a musical backdrop... That is, I think, in line with The Rock's actual themes. You know, it's that that superstar 
playboy athlete kind of enigma kind of theme. Miami Beach kind of sound with the mansion and the pool and the beautiful women and all that stuff. It, it's very much like an NBA 2K menu screen music, you know, and yeah. that is that is the rock to a T. Yeah, I completely agree. This is one of the only songs on the whole album that actually accomplishes what it should have. And I actually think that this had some single potential. Like, I equate it to, like, when Will Smith does a rap song for a movie he's in. Woo-ha, yeah, woo-ha. Without a lot, with a lot less woo-hoo-ha-has. And, and not nearly as cheesy, but I, I just think this had that kind of crossover single potential. And, and they even did a music video for it. I think this was... This is probably one of the one of the home runs of the album, and also one of the best produced songs on the album mm -hmm. as well. Rock Wilder, he is he's a great producer, and, and you know while it's not exactly a, a complete reimagining of the rock's actual theme, it works for what the track is and it captures the vibe, like you said. Uh, although I will say that as an actual entrance theme, I don't think that this gets the job done. Uh, I, the Rock did use this on like a random SmackDown. And it just felt wrong. You know, this lends itself to being in a music video or a video package. It does that really well. This would be an excellent hype video for The Rock, for instance, but not an entrance. Did not work for, for The Rock's entrance. Yeah, it, it all fits him so well. You know, The Rock is, he is not this super aggressive, hardcore guy. He's the coolest guy in the room. Nothing phases him at all. You can't, you know, you can't have his music be heavy beats or a slow menacing beat or whatever it has to be cool it has to be above all that it has to be superstar level but at the same time the rock is still the rock and he is the kind of guy the kind of character who would tell method man get all my shit in this song because that's who he is too he's an egomaniac he's all about the references and the catchphrases because that's what helped get him over so you would have a verse in the song like, Yo, finally the rock has come back. Laying down the smack on your monkey crap candy-coated ass. Enter the squared circle with the great one. Most electrifying moves don't change the station. Children and their children, they all chant with the millions upon millions of rock's fans. Get ready for the square dance. Here's your chance for a can of ass whooping from the people's champ. And then there are references to jabronis, Brahma Bulls, Rock Bottom, People's Elbow, People's Eyebrow, SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, Raw. I mean, it just goes on and on and on with the references. It's like The Rock wrote it himself, Chris. It, you know what it is? It's like Rock's version of Chris is Awesome. It basically is, yeah. This was Chris is Awesome before Chris is Awesome. And, and it actually helps that, unlike Chris is Awesome, Method Man is actually a really big wrestling fan. Like, he was shown during the Attitude Era, he was shown at one pay-per-view, like, up in the cheap seats. But they actually showed him on camera. Usually they show, like, a celebrity at ringside. They, they showed him in the cheap seats, which I, which I thought was really cruel to Method Man. There's uh, Method Man. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom. <laughs> Is that him? No, that's not him. No, but, but he's actually a wrestling fan, which made this effective and made this cool and he, and he actually um if i'm not mistaken he was involved with john cena a little bit around like 2004 i think they did like a magazine shoot for, i think for so smackdown I, magazine. yeah i remember that i think yeah and he was kind of involved around that time i don't know if they did any tracks or anything like that anything that didn't come out but 
he's actually a wrestling fan and you can tell it and, and you listen to, to any Method Man album or Wu-Tang album and there's a lot of wrestling references. So within the Wu-Tang camp, there's a lot of wrestling fandom. So that's who you should be getting for this album. Someone who's actually going to bring that knowledge into it with them and by proxy that enthusiasm too. Uh, and I don't know if you wanted to touch on this now or you want to touch on this later, but um, Method Man actually did the original version of Kane's theme, and there are vocal samples of from that version for Kane's theme that he did for this album. There are vocal samples that go unstoppable, un- incomparable, impossible, unstoppable, that are at the end of this song that were actually taken from that version of Kane's theme. The I unreleased did not know that. Kane, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's where those came from. Uh, so that's pretty cool as well. But Overall, just as a track that that you can listen to and enjoy, I think this is probably the best song on the album just for, you know, pure listening. And there was Mm -hmm. actually a time not too long ago when I had this song stuck in my head for what felt like weeks on end, just randomly out of nowhere. I hadn't even listened (laughs) to it in years and it will likely happen again after this episode. Uh, But I'm not complaining. I actually I do enjoy this. It's one of the few bright spots of the album and uh so so really my hats off to method man and i wouldn't even choose anyone else to have done this track because i just think he brings the right knowledge and the right kind of cadence and and the right mood to the track so i wouldn't have even chosen anyone else to do this track i think it was a this one was a slam dunk okay so track number four is up next and chris it's time to open up a can of marijuana smoking whoop ass one, two, three, and to the four. Stone Cold Steve Austin is at the door. You sorry piece of trash. <laughs> uh, this is Snoop Dogg and Dub C with the song for, you guessed it, Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's called Hell Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Snoop Dogg. Dub C. All up in here. <laughs> bang, bang, yeah. bang. Yeah. Uh-huh. Straight cheap, thank you. Yeah. Cold of the nights, these things on your dome. Hitting up my enemies, man, dogging them with a heart full of stone. Bam, bam, kicking your dough down, go down, dirty get low down. It's about to go down. Who ready for the showdown? Which one of y'all wanna be the first to get tossed in the tussle? Buckle, choked up on these muscles and taste these knuckles. Lost, I'm running them all. Hate us, I'm gunning them all. Tricks are done them all, and I ain't got no love for none of y'all. I'm coming through like a roll cam, giving it up with both hands, slaughtering your whole fam, ripping up the program. Total chaos, telling your snake eyes, the gang, none of you busters hurt me. Boom, I'm a G with no mercy. When I say hell, you say yeah. Come on, hell, hell, come on, hell, yeah, come on, hell, everybody, come on, hell, everybody, everybody. We start off with a double dose of the breaking glass stinger. So, uh, old Stone Cold Sonata here with the two glass breaks. But uh, seriously, though, I, I, I think starting with that little twist on the glass break stinger is kind of a, a metaphor of sorts for the rest of the song because it's taking the classic Austin guitar riff, and putting it in a completely new environment. The instrumentation is different, the arrangement is different because it's just that verse over and over again, and there's rapping over it. You know, it's been turned into a hip-hop song, and no offense to one Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he does not have a hip-hop vibe to him. You no. know, Southern rock, 
country, even metal, that is Stone Cold's jam, but not hip-hop. Not that I'm saying that it's a, a bad song per se, but it's very interesting to put the Stone Cold riff in the context of a rap song, Chris. Yeah, I mean, if you absolutely have to make a rap song about Stone Cold Steve Austin, I guess this is it, you know? I, I guess the lyrical content actually does kind of fit, and, you know, it's in its tone and in its production, you know, there's there's really not too many ways that you could flip Austin's theme into a hip-hop beat without drastically changing it, you know, without it coming out something like the Cool Keith Mankind song. So for what they did here, I'm not complaining. It's just... I don't know if this needed to be done. I think he could have left Austin off the album and maybe put someone else who could have used a hip-hop song and actually used it as a theme. And I think that would have been better use of real estate on this album. Uh, but, you know, it's not terrible. It's not great. Um, Snoop Dogg doesn't exactly fit with the vibe I think of when I think of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think WC did a good job, I uh, you know, with what he had to do. I think his lyrics are some of the more appropriate for the subject matter. And I do love the line, I'm coming through like a broham. I've always enjoyed that part. I don't know why. It's just, uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny and it's just kind of wacky to think about a, a rap song for Steve Austin. But I guess, yeah, like I said, if you're going to do it, I guess this is it, you know? Yeah, I mean, the components make sense because you have Dub C. He's a very intense fellow with his lyrics and his vocals, which is appropriate for Stone Cold, of course. Uh, the lyrics are, you know, as you said, equally intense and violent as Stone Cold is. Uh, it's about to go down. Who ready for the showdown? Which one of y'all want to be the first to get tossed in the tussle? Buckle, choked up by these muscles, and taste these knuckles. You know, references to ass kickings and snake eyes, being cold-blooded. That makes sense. And with Snoop Dogg doing the refrains... He does the same type of call and response that Austin does in his promos. If you down with these hits, say hell yeah. If you came to get busy, say hell yeah. If you like what you see, say hell yeah. If you down with me, say hell yeah. Austin does the same thing in his promos. If you want to see Stone Cold kick some ass, give me a hell yeah. And the crowd goes, hell yeah. So it, it kind of mirrors that crowd interaction in the refrain which I think is a pretty neat uh, little touch there, Chris. Yeah, it's certainly not the worst track on the album. I think it accomplishes what it set out to do pretty well. Um, I think this is probably one of the better Binky beats on the album. I I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the production of Binky Mac or Ryan Binky Garner, as, uh, as I'm sure his mother named him. <laughs> Binky Mac, that's, a, that's, that's quite a name. Um, now, if I had my way, it would not be Snoop Dogg and Dub C on this track. If I had my way, it would have been DMX. If only just to have him yell, what? Every two <laughs> seconds. I know it's, it's before the what thing, but if, like, if you could sync those timelines up and get DMX to do the Austin song just so he could yell what every two seconds, it just would have been pure bliss, I think. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Snoop Dogg, I, I'm glad he just did the refrains on this one because it's not like Snoop Dogg can't be menacing. He sure can be. It's just that to me, Snoop Dogg has more of a feel-good 
party vibe to him that wouldn't work with those intense lyrics in the verses. Again, this is just me, the novice, knowing like three Snoop Dogg songs only, but the three songs are Drop It Like It's Hot, Nothing But a G Thing, and Gin and Juice. And Snoop Dogg in those songs sounds pretty easygoing and smooth jam and all that stuff. So it was, I think, a smart move to have Dub C do the menacing lyrics in the verses. And then when it comes time to do the hell yeah parts, that's when Snoop Dogg comes in because he fits that vibe really well. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, with Snoop, the thing is, I I think he does have, obviously he has a, a tie to wrestling with Sasha Banks. I think he does have an interest in wrestling, you know, however deep that is, uh, I don't know. But I think he just maybe wanted to be involved with this project or, you know, it being Priority Records, maybe that was it. But he does have his fingerprints all over this album because there are three tracks that have something to do with uh, with Snoop Dogg. Uh, the East Siders track and Badass and Technique. They also, uh, th- those are Snoop affiliates. So I think he just kind of wanted to be on the album, didn't want to do too much work. But I think he could have pulled out like the Death Row Snoop Dogg, you know, the the deep covers of the world, you know, those type of tracks that he was doing with Dr. Dre, for example. I think he could have pulled out a little bit of the of the sinister and and dark side of Snoop Dogg uh, that, that you have not been exposed to. I think he could have pulled that out, but I just think at this point, Asking that from Snoop Dogg was probably asking a little bit too much. He probably just wanted to moonwalk into the studio, smoke a joint, chor- yeah, <laughs> yeah, do the chorus, and and then be out of here, and and have a lot of his friends working on the album and getting the royalties. So, I think that's probably the story of Snoop Dogg's involvement here. Track number five, and this one is for the big man on campus, the boss, Vince McMahon, and Vinnie Mac has a trio of gentlemen on this song. This is our third Wu-Tang member of the episode, Redman, and he's teaming up with Rock, not The Rock, just Rock, very important there, difference, and Peanut Butter Wolf, who is a DJ. This is called No Chance. Hey, yo, this no, no chance still has it. take what's mine, you're just too frail. Hey, yo, this no, no chance still has it. take what's mine, you're just too frail. Hey, yo, Are you ready for war? Then bring it on. My craftmatic like a stripper. When it's out, you throw your cash at it. Hope I don't rat tat it from the hash and grass at it. I spit in mad rapid like I took a bad package. You pay tolls on the drummer. I easy pass static. But when it's time, a bad habit, let the Mac at it. You don't want what we got in store. Keep your mother-in-law indoor when we walk outdoor. Them four balls on my bins, which is shopping for. You looked at your rims, was like, what I cop them for? Cause I'm a Brick City native, spit nice like Jada. Chic style invasion, private property and layer. I sort of put this one in the same category as Wreck, Chris. Because with the music, this doesn't sound like No Chance in Hell at all. It's no. relatively minimal in comparison in terms of sound. With the keyboard notes, a little bit of strings in there. The melody doesn't sound like No Chance in Hell at all. We don't even get... The corporate ministry, Shane McMahon, evil laugh in there, which is a shame. Tisk tisk. I know, I know. And I think it's a shame because I think you could have done a No Chance in Hell version of The Kings. Because The Kings took a rock song, 
break it down, and they turned it into a rap song and made it work. And I think with No Chance in Hell, you could have done the same thing here with that, Douglas. The comparison to Wreck is interesting because while neither of them have anything to do with the actual subject matter, uh, I find this to be one of my favorite songs on the album. This might actually be my favorite track just from a pure hip-hop perspective. You know, if this had nothing to do with wrestling, I would still think that this is a cool track. And it pretty much has nothing to do with wrestling anyway. Uh, I think this is Binky Mac's best moment on the album as a producer. Uh, you know, spoiler, I'm not a huge fan of the rest of his beats on this album. Uh, and that's probably because he isn't trying to sample or recreate No Chance in Hell itself. He's kind of just doing something completely different. Um, this is also probably my favorite track because Rock from the group Helt to Skelta, I love him. I think he's awesome. Helt to Skelta, as I mentioned, one of my favorite hip-hop acts. Uh, and the other half of Helt to Skelta is Sean Price, who is one of my favorite rappers of all time. Um, and I would have loved it if he had made it onto this track along with Rock. But uh, I think Redman is really, really good as well. Also really underrated. So uh, it, I, I, this is one that if I'm shuffling through all the music on my phone and this comes up, I'll actually listen to it just because I think it's, it's a cool track. Um, but I think that there was a huge, huge missed opportunity here to not have Vince McMahon use this during his ECW title run. Oh, uh, do-rag Vince, baby. How did you not oh, get that? Come on. How did you not? It, it, it would have been perfect. Another life, then. Another life. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, funny enough, um, there actually was another version of this song that was made by Red Man and Rock with the same lyrics as this version, but the music was a lot closer to the music from No Chance in Hell. And for whatever reason, they didn't go with that version. They went with this version. It's really weird, I think, to do that. Um, but um, Yeah, I would love to hear that come out on like a WWE Uncaged if they have, you know, if it's within their legal right to be able to release that, you know, if there's no label conflicts or anything like that. I think that would be really cool just to hear um, if it worked better or, or if it was better left on the cutting room floor. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm happy with this track just from a, a track perspective, not from a wrestling perspective. I think if you wanted to have a track that was actually on topic and befitting of something like the corporation and all of the things that come along with that. I think you could have had uh, the short-lived hip-hop group, The Firm, which consisted of Nas, AZ, Cormega, and Foxy Brown. I think they would have been tailor-made to do something for the corporation. I think that would have been really interesting. And, and to hear Nas uh, on this album would have, I think that would have been really huge for commercial success. And and just from a from a hip hop fan perspective, getting the attention, I think that would have been a natural fit. But alas, that was not to be. Well, to me, as far as my opinion on the vocals go, the vocals are fine. Uh, it's just that the lyrics they're not, you know, again, not as referential as they maybe could have been. Uh, Redman, he does have a few in there. Uh, you pay the tolls to the drummer. I easy pass at it, but when it's time, I bad habit. Let the Mac at it. You don't want. What we got in store. Keep your mother-in-law indoor when we walk outdoor. Not great rhyming, of course, but, you know, it is it is implying that Vince is a bad motherfucker in, in a way and all that stuff. Um, other than that, though, I think Redman's verse is pretty kind of scant of Vince connections. Rock, on the other hand, has a bit more. Every time before I catch you and make you pay, everyone here works for me. I have him break two legs. 
Don't ever utter or mutter a word sounding like a threat. You see that slew of bruisey dudes. <laughs> Guess who writes them checks? Magnum Force Corporation. Family business is what you face in. And then there's a line that makes me smile because it is such a Vince line. I got away with shit that'll get you life. So Rock is the one here that does his best to make it feel like a Vince theme and not just a general we're going to fuck you up theme, which Redman is kind of guilty of. And for the hip hop listener out there who maybe enjoyed rock and would like to hear a little bit more, there's actually a Helta Skelta song that samples Goldust theme. It's called That's Incredible, and it's uh, it's on their album D.I.R.T., which came out in 2008. So if you're uh, interested in rock after hearing him, I mean, because he, he has a really cool voice and, and he's actually he's one of, I think, uh, the better MCs on this album, just in terms of, of lyricism and, and flow. So anyone who's interested in that, definitely check that out because it samples Goldust theme. I mean, how could you not like that? Up next is track number six. And this song, <laughs> it was forbidden by The Undertaker. <laughs> this is for Gangrel. And who is doing Gangrel's song here, Chris? It's none other than our old buddy, our old pal, C. Murder, who did the NWO Wolfpack theme. So C-Murder has turned his back on the Wolfpack and jumped ship to the WWF. My goodness. But C-Murder is not alone here. He also has another guy from No Limit Records, a guy named Magic. Whoa, ho, ho, it's Magic. You know. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. And their song here for Gangrel is called I Won't Stop. music chris spooky music you know gangrel's theme on its own is spooky enough but sea murder and magic decided to up the spooky factor a few notches on this one the intro alone is just bone chilling one two gangrel's coming for you three four better lock your doors gangrel can you come out and play and of course uh the bowser laugh from Super Mario 64. Oh, 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 oh. It's, it's pretty scary stuff. Um, having said that, though, I couldn't help but notice, and this may just be me, but any of the frightening tension, any of the fear that is produced in the intro was immediately deflated simply because of the way C-Murder pronounces the word blood. 
because when I hear him say, I won't stop till I see blood, I can't help but laugh, Chris. I'm sorry. He just, he says it's so funny. Blood. <laughs> yeah, he, he has a certain way of kind of ruining the mood here. <laughs> I mean, and this is not his first outing in pro wrestling, in pro wrestling theme songs. So, you know, he should know that he should be able to convey the proper tone here for Gangrel. And like right off the bat, he's doing the blood. You know, he's he's got Gangrel's attire wrong because he says dressed in all black, which does not make sense. I mean, I guess at one point Gangrel did wear all black, but he's mostly known for you the know white the shirt. white Seinfeld yeah. puffy shirt. Yeah. So you know, I want to be a vampire. Bat, <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat, Sea Murder is just that's that's a, a check against him, and just his flow here is just so basic and boring and. I've never really been a big fan of Sea Murder. I love the Wolfpack theme like everyone else, but you know, I, I think Master P is 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 probably a little bit better than than his uh, than his brother here. Uh, I, I don't really like the beat. I don't like the production. I think the original version of Gangrel's theme is more than adequate for a hip hop song. It's way cooler. It's darker. You know, just have someone rap over Jim Johnston's production. I don't think there's there's any need to to retool it uh, in this case. Uh, I, th- I think this just sounds watered down in comparison. And Magic, I don't think, has anything to offer here uh, at all. Hmm. Well, I, I agree on most aspects. But to be honest, I actually kind of enjoy it a little bit too. Mainly the music, I think, is pretty cool. Pretty damn awesome, in my opinion. Um, not not as great as the original Gangrel theme, of course, but still, it's got a pretty cool beat. In my my rookie opinion with hip hop, but you know, also to be honest, I have to admire the earnestness of it all because somebody in WWF went up to see Murder and said, "See, we want you to write a song about one of our wrestlers. His name is Gangrel. He's a wrestling vampire." And he's part of this group called The Brood. And Sea Murder took off his Wolfpack shirt, threw it on the goddamn ground, and said, Say no more, fam. I got you. And he went to the studio, and goddammit, he wrote a wrestling vampire hip-hop song. Just overloaded this bad boy with vampire references galore. You know, are the lyrics cheesy as hell? Of course they are. It's a fucking wrestling vampire hip-hop song. But... Damn it, you have to appreciate the fact that Sea Murder, he went in there, he stayed on topic, he summed up Gangrel, not 100%, fine, but he got his character mostly right. Would Cool Keith have done the same? Or Red Man? I, I think not, Chris. Cool Keith? I mean, that's completely out of the realm of possibility. You know, Red Man, maybe, maybe, not not the rapper that I would have picked for this song. In all honesty, I think Tech Nine would have killed the song about Gangrel. I think he would have been able to completely channel that. Or Chino XL, because he has a song called Ghetto Vampire. So I think that would have been a, a very natural fit there if, if I were to have my way here with, with this album. If I were executive producing this, I would not have chosen Sea Murder for anything, because he just mumbles his way through tracks and is boring and and not all that compelling as an artist, and I don't know how he was a professional rapper. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think for, for, the, for the novelty and for the cheese factor, I think there is something here to, uh, to enjoy, and just the fact that he did stay on topic, you know, that's half of the assignment right there. So I will give him credit for that. Yeah, I, I remember 
before diving into the album, I was looking over the track listing. And at first, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, why is Gangrel on this album? Because almost all of the people on the album is a main eventer or an upper mid-card level act. You know, Rock, Austin, Foley, Triple H, Taker, Kane, even Vince is a big deal. You know, why is Gangrel included on the list here? when he was like a mid-carder at best. And then I realized, oh yeah, it's because of his entrance theme. Because, you know, his entrance theme has such a groove to it and such a bounce to it. It's tailor-made for a hip-hop song. So, you know, Gangrel, if he didn't have that iconic theme, I doubt he'd be on the album here, Chris. Exactly. And, and that just goes to the point that you probably could have just thrown the Jim Johnston production on this album and have someone rap over it. And it right. would have sounded natural because, yeah, it does have that kind of a hip hop vibe to it. So that is I guarantee that's the reason why he was chosen for this album. But again, you know, there were people who could have used a hip hop theme and that would have been a big deal for them to have been a part of this album. You know, what would it have done for, you know, like D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry to have gotten a theme on this album? I mean, as lo- as much as I love Danger at the Door, I mean, no- do not take that away from us. But, you know, something like that would have been would have been cool, would have been more fitting, you know, even too cool at this time. I think that would have been great. I think there were a million possibilities you could have done with that roster at the time. But yeah, Gangrel's theme does sound rappable. So, yeah, why not? Why not put him on the album? Moving on now to track number seven, and that's gotta, that's gotta be Kane! Kane's song on this album is by the East Siders, which consisted of Snoop Dogg, some more Snoop Dogg here, uh, Trey D with three E's, and Goldilock with no K. Somebody please get these men a dictionary. <laughs> this song is called Big Red Machine. I'm the product of the bottom of a mind stone. Psychotic over chronic mixed with rage and lust. Stomping all opposition to their brains is much. Cold divorce from the force as the blood pour forth. I endorse only sports of the dangerous sort. Seven three first degree maniac unseen. And can't nobody stop the big man. Talk is talk. You don't know me, you don't see me. I move in silence, instinct straight violence. Quiet is kept, snapping necks for respect. Kings flew able that I never regret. I'm a threat to the world, doom, danger, death. Three counts of submission, meet the savior himself. Only thing left standing is the almighty king. Coming here, bringing fifth in the course of your veins. Two stone pals drive my design to soul. I'm the product of the bottom of a mind that stole. Psychotic over chronic, mixed with rage. You know, I was curious about this one because it was, you know, admittedly hard for me to picture Kane's theme being turned into a hip-hop song. Gangrel is one thing because his theme has the bounce to it. Same with Break It Down, too, because that has kind of a, a funk thing going on in there. Kane's theme is just brutality. You know, it's, it's fiery, industrial guitar riffs. And the melody isn't the most conventional for a hip-hop backing track. So I wondered how the East Siders were going to do it. Would they use that riff 
as the track for the song, or would it be a case similar to Wreck or No Chance, where maybe they keep the organ intro, but just kind of scrap everything else and go with something new for the body of the song. But then I heard it, and I realized, oh yeah, there's a third option here, the B section. The section where the guitars drop out, and there are those little you know piano notes in there with the drums in the background. And that's what they go with here. You know, for the chorus, they do use the cane guitarist to back them up. And they actually, they do manage to make that work, I think. But for the verses themselves, they change it up and go with the quieter, more mellower section. Uh, and I think it's perfect because it gives them much more flexibility in terms of the rhythm. Because there is, I guess to put it one way, a lot more space to work with, Chris, if that makes sense, I think. It makes complete sense. And that's why, to me, this is the best produced song on the album. Because that flip of Kane's theme is textbook. That's what you do in hip-hop when you're digging in the crates and you're pulling out a random vinyl and you're looking through a song that has nothing to do with hip-hop and you're looking for those break beats and you're looking for sounds and samples that you can flip and turn into something else. And that's exactly what they did with that turnaround, with that one-bar loop with the, the the soft piano that's exactly what they did and they managed to take that one little loop and turn it into what comprises the entire verse section and that is completely that's hip-hop 101 that's textbook and to me that's why i think kane's theme lends itself really well to hip-hop actually if you listen in the verses there's kind of a breakbeat already happening and that alone i i've always thought you could rap over that and then the turnaround happens and then you get another breakbeat that comes in. And I just think that there is this underlying kind of hip hop, trip hop element to Kane's theme that makes it sound so natural and feel so natural. So yeah, that I was really, really interested to kind of listen critically this time and say, oh yeah, that's all they did. They just, they just looped the, that one bar from the turnaround and they just completely flipped that. And for the choruses, like you said, they, they bring in the main section. And then at the end of the song, when they're kind of just um, doing the I'm coming, I'm coming, that type of thing, uh, they kind of did, they flipped the, the main part of, the main meat of Kane's theme, his instrumental, where you have the verses that just have kind of the, the strings and, and the choir. They kind of flipped that as well. And they didn't do that for the verses, which I thought would have been interesting as well. But I, what they did, I was just really impressed by. I, I wasn't expecting to really go back to this one and, and say that it was the, the best produced of the album. But I was really impressed, and I was also impressed by the verses. I think they managed to weave in quite a bit in reference to Kane. And uh, I, I'm just, yeah, I was, I was really impressed with this song. Yeah, even though there is that change in backing track between the chorus and the verses. I like how the vocals maintain that high level of menace and intensity to them. It's not like the East Siders are going super hard on the vocal and the chorus with the meaty guitar riffs, and then when the verse comes in, they lighten up to match the music. They go hard to the paint all the way through. The only time where the vocals, I guess, you know, quote-unquote, lighten up or, like you said, the whispers at the end, I'm coming, I'm coming. But then again, that still works because it's meant to be scary and menacing like Kane. What I found did not fit Kane so much 
was uh, yeah, I said I was impressed with the lyrics, but then there's a few bars here. And when when this happened, we just some loked out worldwide figures. I heard you won the match when I was with my Nepalias. Like, first of all, I don't know what that means. Uh, uh, you, Ooh, got me. you can't see us. We the East Siders and we all up in that ass like Adidas because we riders. That's where this <laughs> becomes about the East Siders and the Nepalias, whatever the hell that is. And not about Kane. And that kind of took me out of it a little bit. But up until then, I was also very, I was very impressed with this song. It also, though, does imply that Kane smokes weed and Crip walks with the devil. <laughs> so I don't know how, how accurate or how how familiar the East Siders were with Kane prior to this. But uh, definitely not something Kane could use as a theme, obviously. Because No, no, no. no. But, but I'll say this, though. You know, besides those, you know, kind of cringeworthy lyrics there, I, I'd say, you know, overall it does a great job, again, of reflecting Kane's character. Him being this this destructive force. I move in silence, instinct, straight violence, quiet is kept, snapping necks for respect. Kane slew Abel that I never regret. I'm a threat to the world, doomed danger and death. My mentality is actually destroy and smash anything in my path, plus the Titans clash. Bring a body, anybody, it don't matter the size. I arrive in disguise and my mission surprise. Those are, you know, a little bit more, you know, character-based, but it does have a lot more specific references as well. Tombstone, pile drop, my designed assault, uh, sea walking with the devil with the mask at my face. The, <laughs> the way I DDT these fools, I'm bound to catch a case. Seven foot three with a tombstone that sit about ten feet undertake them to another street so <laughs> there are cane references in there of course but at the same time though it doesn't get into like rock territory you know it's not that egregious know your role you know where they're they're, they're not rapping about paul bear you know or inferno matches or katie vick or god god help us but there's still a lot of good stuff in here you know oh absolutely yeah i i like this track a lot i think overall it really is one of the shining spots on the album and one of the ones where you could say, yeah, they did the job right. I think the Method Man version would have been really cool as well. And in some ways, I do prefer it. Um, I, I, in real, really, he could have done the whole album, and I think I would have been a lot happier with that than, uh, than what we got, and, and I think it would have aged a lot better. Although I do think that if you were going to get someone who would really kind of embody the type of style and the, the type of vibe for a track about Kane... I think Mob Deep would have been an excellent, excellent selection uh, for that. I think they would have been able to kind of bring the hell out in the track because they kind of, especially early on, that was really the, the vibe of Mob Deep, you know, hell on earth, a lot of that type of imagery. I think they would have done a good job with it. But no, I, I like this track. And, and this is another one that I can actually stand to listen to these days. Time now for track number eight. And this is for Y2J, Chris Jericho. Jericho's rapper is a guy named R.A. The Rugged Man, and his song is called Break the Walls Down. Can't see nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm uh, I think they know who we are. You think you know me? Know who we are? Look at me. I'm looking at you, man. We're coming for these kids. Come on. Yeah. Break the walls down. 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 
Yo, I break down walls, take down walls, swing baseball bats at you. I hate y'all. If they brawl, we brawl. Bring the heat, y'all. Bite they face off. I'ma eat y'all, defeat y'all. I'm a wild man, heavy metal hard rocker. Death before dishonor. I got ya, rugged man, drop ya. Ain't no peace here, there's beef here. There ain't no man that we fear. You got beef, we be here. So I'll be honest here, I don't have a ton to say about this one, uh, largely because I don't think there's much to say about it. Uh, it's clearly the Jericho riff being used as the main melody here, and as far as the lyrics go, it's your standard bad motherfucker lyrics. The only Jericho reference in it is Break the Walls Down. Um, also, I'm a wild man, heavy metal hard rocker, that too I guess, but... For the most part, you look at the lyrics, and it's like, the most violent, unstoppable, crazy, crusty, ugly, my mother don't trust me, I walk with a sickness, slash you, break you, take you, throw you on the floor, duct tape you, I'm a monster, bone crusher, dome splitter, we throw witcha, you, you roll thick, we roll thicker. And you can apply those lyrics to a wide variety of wrestlers, not just Chris Jericho. So I, I can't say that I'm really impressed with this one. Uh, what about you, Chris? What are your thoughts on it? I agree. It seems like his prompt was kind of just, yeah, do a song about a wrestling guy. It, yeah, it doesn't. We'll we'll just we'll put it with we'll put it with a beat. It's fine. Yeah, and then he does, and then he did the chorus later when they figured out who they want. You know, it doesn't really it doesn't have a personalized feel. Again, you know the the wild man heavy metal hard rocker is really the only thing that you can do to tie this into Jericho aside from the chorus. And it's surprising to me because Rugged Man is actually a very competent MC, but there's just something about this combination that does not do it for me. I'm not a fan of having Jericho be represented on this album at all because I just don't think of rap and Chris Jericho as having anything to do with each other. So I, I think this, this could have done with, you know, choose someone else, you know, I understand you want to use top names and, and really prominent figures, but it just, if it's not natural and if their theme song doesn't exactly lend itself well to being flipped as a hip hop beat. I mean, I think the production is ass. I think this is one of the worst binky beats on the album uh it's just it doesn't work for me at all um i don't know how you could do a chris jericho rap song without making it just ridiculous and doing it for the comedy mm. and if i had it my way if i were producing the album i would have gotten snow to do the chris jericho ah, a little canadian action going yeah. on there i see what you're doing here informer that's how it went right chris yeah yeah ex exactly and you know jericho would have loved that being kind of the pop culture nut that he is he would have loved the obscure reference of the white reggae rapper from canada he would have been all over that so i think that would have been a lot of fun it would have given snow it would have given snow a payday too because i don't know when the last time he got one of those was uh but yeah this this just doesn't really do it for me i don't have a ton more to say about it uh except for that the name R.A. the Rugged Man always just makes me think about Hungry Man, which then makes me think about the old Booker T. Hungry Man commercials where <laughs> he's like he's in the supermarket and he rips the door off of the frozen food section and he just like comes out of the frozen food section. It's just really weird and, and, and strange and bizarre. And I just think about that whenever uh, whenever I think about R.A. the Rugged Man or this song. So that's that's what I that was my main takeaway. Okay. From from this song. 
Yeah, I mean, like like, like Stone Cold, Jericho is not a hip-hop guy at all. And yeah. looking at the lyrics, you know, they don't match Jericho, not just on a you know, personal level, but on a character level either. Because it's it, it's too aggressive for Chris Jericho. Jericho isn't the kind of guy who would say, if they brawl, we brawl, bring the heat, y'all, bite they face off, I'ma eat y'all, defeat y'all. That's a bit too much for Jericho. He'll still tell you that he's better than you. He'll defeat you and... I think he'll do it with a bit more pizzazz than that. You know, a little bit more David Lee Roth than Slipknot, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Especially especially 99-2000 Jericho, who was the Y2J, Raw is Jericho, Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, cocky, wink and a smile kind of guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, now he'd just call you a fuckface and be done with it. Right. And I was thinking about that, too, actually. I was thinking a song like this, it would actually, I think, match 2019 Jericho a lot better. Because nowadays Jericho, yeah, especially New Japan Jericho, he is the wild man. He is the super aggressive, just out-of-control guy attacking Naito and Omega and having these crazy-ass brawls in the match. So who knows? Maybe R.A. the Hungry Man, (laughs) maybe he was... (laughs) somewhat of a prophet he had the gift of the second sight and wrote about the alpha chris jericho 20 years before no we all know chris jericho invented everything i don't yeah. I, I don't know if that's the case here <laughs> yeah yeah track number nine and we've got another tag team here both with the wrestlers and the rappers the wrestlers are the new age outlaws billy gunn and road dog and the rappers uh, funny enough one of them is named technique and the other is Badass with two Zs, which is funny because Billy Gunn's nickname is Badass, which I had to wonder if that was intentional there, Chris. You know, <laughs> oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I A little coincidence there, I think. But uh, yeah, this song is called You Ain't Hard. Big water balloon balls and ballroom brawls to take down. Ain't nothing fake now. We earthquake towns prepared for the shakedown. Try your luck. We aiming, light it up. A million and one styles multiply by bucks. Say it loud, pull out, spray the crowd. Wet ya. Only way you leave here is on stretcher. I won't let ya. Get a hold of tech, hold of tech, squeezing. Fold your set, you loaded yet? I'm already busting, let loose. Loose your neck, it's time you get used to tech. You ain't getting what you used to get, it's a new day. Kicking the dough down, Y2K. Whether you care to see it or care to believe it, you get beat with bats till you paraplegic. You ain't hard, you ain't tough. You little punks don't talk, don't fear it, up. I had the same curiosity about this one that I did about the Kane song. You know, how are they going to incorporate down, now, down, 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 into this hip hop song? And I gotta say, once again, I think this is one of the more enjoyable songs on the album to me. Maybe not in terms of of, of like the lyrics because they're not amazing lyrics at all, and the rhyming isn't that great. You uh, mean you but, don't want to know what those big water balloon balls are all about? No, no. <laughs> but just in terms of like the flow of it all and the backing track, the way it's sped up, and just the general urgency of it, 
it just hit me in some way. And I find it odd to say that because it's a song for the New Age Outlaws of all people. <laughs> I'm not their biggest fan either, but I, I, I can't lie. This song... You know, I'm I'm feeling it now, Mr. Krabs. Okay, um, Chris, I I know you've experienced this kind of feeling with other songs, I'm sure. But uh, what about this one? What are your thoughts on this? When it comes to this one, I think that Badass and Technique did the job on the CD, if you will. I I I, I think they took a loss here. Uh, I'm not really the biggest fan of this one. I don't think I ever listened to this one the whole way through, actually. When you know, when I was younger, I think it's just kind of boring. Um, I'm not a fan of of the production. Again, Binky, I'm just it's not not really doing it for me. It, it's it's a little bit too upbeat. I feel it's a little bit too the tempo is a little too high, and it, it it just has nothing to do with the outlaws. Let's be honest. It's about badass and technique. And uh, yeah, we know that they just got badass on this song because it's a song about the outlaws and badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very clever. We know that. Uh, I just the only thing that I could really think about while listening to this song was what are they doing with these big water balloon balls? Are they bringing them to the barroom <laughs> brawls? Because that's not going to be effective. So I don't know what they're doing here. Well, here's my thinking. Here's my thinking. You take the big water balloon balls. You throw them on the ground, and then the bad guys, your enemies, they slip on them and fall and hurt themselves. Okay, all right. There all you right. go. All right, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down here. Yeah, I mean, you know, lyrical-wise, it's 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 another one that's just, you know, a few references here and there, outlaws, you know, whatever. But for the most part, this song is just about badass and technique and their antics in life. But still, you know, the talk about fighting in bars and beating people up, we earthquake towns, prepare for the shakedown, try our luck, we aim to light it up. It's typical wrestling talk. So even though when it comes to the New Age Outlaws, sure, it misses the mark in that sense. But as far as like a, a, a wrestling song in a sense, a, a beat-em-up song in a sense, it works in that regard, I think. Yeah, in that respect, I could see it. I do think that the only reason that Badass and Technique had a place on this album, though, was because of the Snoop Dogg connection. Right. Uh, as members of his LBC crew, I think that's got to be the only way that because no one had ever heard of him. Uh, one of my friends, when when I was younger, thought it was Eminem on the song. Like, I mean, that's just I don't I don't hear that at all. He thought the, he thought one of them sounded like Eminem. Um, also, as a kid, I used to think that they were saying fuck in the chorus. And I was like, well, why don't why didn't that get bleeped? Because <laughs> when they're like, you're a punk, don't punk, and I was it's it just kind of. To my young ears, it sounded like they were saying fuck. So uh, that was always kind of interesting. But yeah, I was never a big fan of the song. If I had it my way, I would have gotten M.O.P. to do a song about the outlaws. Because that is, when you think of hip-hop's greatest tag teams, I think to me, M.O.P. immediately comes to mind. You know, M.O.P., Gangstar, you know, some of the iconic tag teams of, 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 uh, of hip-hop. So I think that there were a lot better teams out there that you could have gotten for this tag team wrestling song i think that there were better options and just because of nepotism uh we we were treated to to this song here but i'm glad mm. you enjoyed it though at least yeah i i enjoy it you know asterisk i enjoy it for the overall sound of it not so much the lyrics you know a line like say it loud pull out and spray the crowd I mean, it's funny enough, that's how you know it's an outlaw song, because yeah. that's the kind of gross-out shit they would enjoy. But yeah, I, I enjoy it more for, I guess, the pace of it and kind of the sound of it, more than the lyrics, for sure. Track number 10, 
And you know, Chris, um, I'm getting a little parched here, a little thirsty. Hope you don't mind if I pour myself a nice tall glass of iced tea. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have fun here. Uh, <laughs> iced tea, uh, Detective Finn Tutuola himself. Uh, he did the song for The Godfather on this album, and it's called Pimpin' Ain't Easy. Godfather's in the house. Grab your bitches. Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy, man. 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 Take a look at me, everything I own's iced out. Pimp, baby, you can see my wrist with the lights out. This is how I do it, mad bitches in clothes. Godfather, baby, on the plates in my rows. Step back, hate to make a little room for my hoes. Gators on my feet. Money is the reason all the real players know that Godfather lays punks to rest You got no chance up against the best A rock's in the east and a rose in the west If you don't dig the pimpin' I can really get less Cause it's pimp or die, pimp or die, baby Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy, man Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy, man Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy, man Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy, man Pippin' ain't, pippin' ain't easy, man. 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 Two hours later. Pippin' ain't, pippin' ain't easy, man. We get it. We get it. We get it. Jesus fucking Christ. We get it, Ice-T. We get it. Pippin' ain't easy. We get it. We understand the concept now. Thank you very much. We understood it the first 8,000 times you said it. Good Lord. Oh my god. But, 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 I'll say this. I'll say this. As annoying as that refrain might get after a while, I think Ice-T hits a grand slam with this song. Just like C-Murder went rushing headlong into Gangrel, so too does Ice-T with The Godfather with even greater results. You know, the, the first verse alone just lays out the Godfather and his character 100%. Take a look at me. Everything I own's iced out. Pimp, baby. You can see my wrists with the lights out. This is how I do it. Mad bitches and clothes. Godfather, baby. Only play to my rogues. Step back. Hater. Make a little room for my hose. Gators on my feet. Take a look at my toes. Money is the reason. All the real players know that. Godfather lays punks to rest. He got no chance up against the best. I rocks in the east and I rolls in the west. If you don't dig the pimpin', I could really care less. Cause it's pimp or die, baby. Pimp or die. Pimpin' ain't, pimpin' ain't easy, man. I mean, you've got the gaudy clothing, the hose, the money. He's a wrestler, so he's beating guys up. And he's pimp or die, baby. Pimp or die. You know, this is just who the Godfather is wholeheartedly. And I commend Ice-T to the fullest for capturing the Godfather's essence with this amazing song here, Chris. Amen. Amen. This is this is it. This is where the potential of this album was fully realized from soup to nuts. You spice up the original theme with some new production that actually sounds like it fits and feels natural and sounds natural. You have a rapper who is competent and actually rapping about the wrestler he's supposed to be rapping about and not rapping about himself. Uh, you know, the song actually fits the wrestler's gimmick and he can use it as an entrance theme. And he did. 
and even to go as far as having Ice T perform the theme live for The Godfather and D'Lo. At Mania 2000, that's right, yes. It, it made it all the way. I think this is, in, in theory and in practice, I think this made it as far as you can go in, in terms of the concept of what you could do with this album and the, the, the potential of having an outside artist come in and create a rap song about a wrestler and have it go that far. I think, yeah, this was, this was a grand slam. Absolutely. It's probably the only song on this album that actually worked from every single standpoint. A lot of them were good and maybe fitting, but couldn't be used as entrance themes. I think this one actually was a big upgrade for the Godfather in terms of an entrance theme. It kind of felt a little bit more major league. So I think that, uh, you know, the only caveat being that uh, Ice-T does go from rapping about the Godfather to rapping in the first person a lot. So it's kind of the Mino conundrum. Does he become the Godfather during the course of the song? Is he the Godfather? You know, is Ice-T the Godfather? These are questions we will never know. You know, I'm, I, I, I can't separate Ice-T the rapper from from Finn from law and order, you know, I, at any moment, I expect him to to talk about someone doing hard time at Rikers or, or something <laughs> like that. You know, it, it's, it's still kind of, it's hard to separate him from, from law and order these days, but I, yeah, he did. He really did a great job with this one. It's a new drug out there called pipsqueak. <laughs> All the kids are doing it these days. Makes you do backflips off the roof. <laughs> pipsqueak ain't easy, man. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, seriously though, I think it, it just, it captures the fun aspect of the Godfather so well because yes. this song is pretty upbeat and pretty fun and the Godfather was a fun character because he had the colorful outfits and the catchphrases and the the jolly personality and the sexy saxophone music he wasn't a sleazeball pimp like Yujiro is with his grimy music you make me feel so good the Godfather was a pimp you wanted to hang out with and I think a song like this it translates that that likability and that charisma so well. You know, I never knew that I wanted Yujiro and the Godfather to interact with each other, but now it's uh, now my mind is running wild here. <laughs> I, th- yeah. I think we just I, oh the possibilities. Uh, you, I don't know if you listened to the Slick Rick and Dana Dane version. I think that would that one would have been just as cool. I think. Well, to me, I think it was the smarter play to go with Ice T here because Ice T, in addition to being you know Law and Order guy or OG rapper. He was an actual pimp back in the day. Yeah. You know, long before his days in, in music and TV and whatever, he was a pimp. He was a hustler. So it's it, very believable that Ice-T would do a song for The Godfather because they have a shared work experience, you know? It's a natural yeah. fit. Um, I haven't heard the Slick Rick and Dana Dane version of it. I'm sure it's fine. But to me, you can't get better than Ice-T here. You know, maybe Big Daddy Kane would have been a good pick there too, but exactly. a bit obvious, yeah, a bit on the nose perhaps, but I think Ice-T is just the perfect one. Yeah, yeah, Big Daddy Kane would would have actually been my choice, yeah, because it's just natural, it's seamless, but so was Ice-T. I think the only thing that the Slick Rick version maybe would have had over it is that it's a, a bit less repetitive, uh, but no, this this song's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy this song. It's, uh, you know, if it comes on, I'll, I'll let it play to the first chorus and, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy it for what it is. And that, that entrance at WrestleMania 2000 is is something else, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny. This is like the one song on the album that isn't beeped with his curses. Because he, he says bitches like 50 times. And it goes through clean as a whistle. You know, grab your bitches. Godfather's in the house, bitch. Break yourself, bitch. 
you know, they're, they're bleeping fuck and shit and the N-word a thousand times over, but bitches is okay in their book, I guess. <laughs> yeah, WWE, uh, WWF had no problem with bitches, uh, apparently. Track number 11, and it's time to play the game, because this song is for Triple H. This is by Mystical and Raskas, who I believe was Big Cass's cousin, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Uh, this song is simply called Game. I'ma do what I wanna do when I do like how I felt with Hell Yeah, I'm a bit tickled at how they've reinterpreted the classic Triple H riff in this one here, Chris, because it was only one episode ago that Robin and I talked all about Triple H's themes, and whether it was my time or the game, when you heard that riff, that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, it was cranked up guitars that packed a punch. They were impactful. Because Triple H, he yo, he was serious business. He was a jacked up muscle dude. He needed those big, powerful riffs in his theme. Here, not so much. We've replaced the Jim Johnston slash Motorhead metal guitars with a cute little synth. And I know that Mystical and Raskas, they're going hard with the vocals. But you know, Chris, it, it does take some of the punch out when you replace dun 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 with you know? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the beat was made on a Game Boy. I mean, there's not yeah. really... There's nothing intimidating. There's nothing intense. There's nothing that screams Triple H aside from the, 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 the fragile game comparison. I mean, that connection there. I mean, it, it's really not. I understood that that's the only way that you can really flip my time into a hip hop beat. Uh, but you could also do something like that version of the game with the put your money on the table guy. You, right, right. You could have done something like you did with that, and obviously that's more rock influenced, but it's more befitting of Triple H. This here, yeah, it just sounds like you're playing WWF Betrayal on Game Boy Advance, and, <laughs> and Triple H is coming out. It's, it's not really a, it's not a favorite of mine. I think Mystical. Uh, I think first of all, I think his verse is a is a fucking gold mine. Uh, you know, Mystical obviously of Shake Ya Ass fame, although I thought I thought Danger was a much better song back in the day. He to me has always sounded like the result of 
Rita Repulsa making a hip-hop villain to destroy Angel Grove. <laughs> so that's always been my take on Mystical. Chickity, check yourself before you wreck yourself, Rangers. <laughs> I just I just cannot imagine Triple H using this. I can't even imagine Triple H knowing what hip-hop is, much less coming out yeah. to it. Uh, as far as Raskas goes, I actually used to listen to quite a bit of Raskas. I think he's very good. I just don't know that he had any business being on this track. Uh, his verse had absolutely nothing to do with Triple H. You know, he's he's just he's busy living his Burger King style. He's he has nothing to do with Triple H. I don't even know if he knows who Triple H is. This so in terms of lyrical content, this is one of the weakest on the album. Yeah, Mystical is great here because his verses are all about Triple H. I got more anger than you got in your whole body in one arm, and that's a threat to Triple H. Three times the harm. That's right, you face to face with a villain, and if you really think you got what it takes to step to the game, go right ahead. I don't like you, and when I'm here, and when I walk out, boo, I see you don't like me too. I've got a physical ability for causing misery. You get maddest when I feed off your negativity. For every boo, I'ma leave a bruise. For every bad gesture, I'ma leave your ass messed up. So, there's stuff that is on the nose with Triple H, and there's stuff that is, you know, from Triple H's point of view without explicitly referencing himself. So, good job from Mystical. Ras Cass, on the other hand, yeah, he makes it about himself. He makes it about, you know what, actually, no. He makes it seem more like DX in a way than Triple H. The ghetto fabulous Rat Pack, inner city Nasdaq, young savages that don't know how to act. Rebels without a gat that pin you to the mat. Got devils having flashbacks of when animals attack. That's got more of a group mentality, a DX mentality, than a solo Triple H song would have. So it doesn't line up with Mystical's verses in the rest of the song. Of course, <laughs> the Austin Powers get in my belly reference doesn't really gel with the rest of the song right. either. Um, by the way, if you're looking for a dated reference on this album, there you go. There you Nothing go. screams recorded in 1999 quite like someone saying, get in my belly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it pains me to say it because, again, I, I really I really did listen to a lot of Raskas, and I think he's a good MC. I just think, you know, may, I, I didn't think about it from the DX perspective. So in that case, yeah, that's that's pretty appropriate. And that's that's more on topic than anything that Run DMC did. So from that respect, I could say, yeah, that would actually be great if he was doing a DX theme. But no, it's it's Triple H. He should be talking about, you know, the cerebral assassin and 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 the mind games and, and the politicking and, and all of these things that Triple H is known for at this time. And I think if you're going to get a rapper who can actually maybe kind of zero in on that, I think Cannabis would have been a great choice to have done a Triple H theme just because he always approaches things from a cerebral type of mind state so i think that that would have been kind of you could have even put them with mystical because they have kind of similar voices going on i think that would have been an interesting choice to do a triple h theme but yeah Raskast didn't impress me here but mystical i i do get a chuckle i just i don't know how he delivered that first line of his first verse because it sounds it i've never heard a flow like that in in any of my hip-hop listening that I did back in the day. I never heard anyone. He just kind of just, it all just kind of falls out of his mouth somehow <laughs> on, not on beat, but kind of it works within being off beat. I don't know. He's, he's, an, he's a very unique performer, I guess we'll say. 
Well, I noticed that Mystico has a pretty gnarly, kind of raspy voice, and it reminded me in a lot of ways of Lemmy's voice. So That's I think true. there's yeah. a cool little bit of foreshadowing there of Triple H's future Motorhead themes. Yeah, he is kind of like the Lemmy of hip-hop, I guess. Uh, okay, track number 12, and this is the second-to-last song on the album. Oh, thank God. It's for, I know. <laughs> it's for The Big Show, and appropriately, The Big Show has the largest assembly of rappers of any of the songs on the album, because he has four of these guys. Mac-10, K-Mac, no relation, Boo Capone, and MC-8. MC-8, by the way, is spelled E-I-H-T. I hate him already. So there's <laughs> there's a lot of bodies on this one. And this is called Big. Well, it's the Big Show! Oh. I gas hop when I hit my six-fold pedal. I rock and got fans from ghetto to heavy metal. I took it to the next level. Guard to the states and marble floors with a slight bevel. Hey yo, I hit the freeways to keep my guns toning. Get high, start zoning, get paranoid and leave my pits roaming. Then gently slide into the seat of my Bentley. Hit the town and if you hate, then you're jealous evidently. I fall platinum for the millennium, my ice bigger. Touch my watch on my chain and get shot at least twice near. I be the brightest star shining in the show. And everybody say ho if you love Mac one nose. And to the female fan base that consume, you gotta be willing to give up the wound to see my room. So if you're about that and in your mouth I can burst Then meet me backstage and have some rubbers in your purse What? Y'all know the time Y'all shake the rock Jesus, 2K, 9-9's behind We hold front line, so it's time to shine You get in? Well, it's the big show! Okay If you are doing a theme for a seven-foot-tall, 500-pound giant, a big, nasty bastard of a man like The Big Show, why, why, why would you base so much of it around these dinky little piano notes? Bink, 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 bink. Like, if you want to use the piano, fine. But it's The Big Show. Pound the keys. Just smash your fist into the piano keys with enough force to break them. Because it's the big show. He's massive. He's huge. You want a theme that just just overloads you with strength and size. But instead, we get these delicate little cicada notes, ever so light and precious. And the song, it, it has quite a few faults to its name. I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I think it's great. I love it. I love it because it's just an absolute train wreck of a song. It's just so great. And he used this. He used this at one point. But the question is why? The question is why? Because this, at no point does this feel like something that has anything to do with Paul White. As a person, as a performer, it's just, I don't get it. It just feels awkward. I watched a video of him coming out to this. And he's accompanied by Shane McMahon, who does his stupid Shane McMahon hand flick thing that he did in, in the in the late 90s. He did this in sync with the music. I wanted to die. It was great. <laughs> I, I love this song. It, it's so bad. It's so bad. 
you can't first of all here's the problem with the big show song it's in three four time right so the good majority of hip-hop is four four time which is standard time right so three four time is not going to really work well you have to have a really skilled MC to be able to pull it off flow wise and also you have to have a skilled producer to be able to make it work beat wise because otherwise it's just gonna feel weird and the production here does feel forced and unnatural they're just trying to cram the big show's theme into a hip-hop setting and it's clearly a 12-bar blues format which is not going to really lend itself well to being flipped into a hip-hop theme the way they did it by keeping the same structure had they taken little bits and pieces like what happened with you know the east side is kane song if they took a little a little one bar and flip that and make that the whole verse and did it in four four time you could have done something more interesting and that sounds like hip-hop here but this just sounds i don't know what this sounds like you know it, 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 there are a few sins committed here the production is one of them i think it's the worst beat by binky I think Binky has been quite atrocious on this album. This, the Jericho beat, I just I just think they were just garbage. The phrase, in your mouth I can burst, was said on this song. <laughs> this album, at that point, just canceled the album. Like, this, it's just, ugh, it's gross. In fact, all of Mac-10's last few bars basically sound like a Craigslist personals ad. Like, he was just, <laughs> he was just trying to, to, to attract the groupies here. He's just trying to get some action here. It's just I don't I don't know I don't know what this has to do with the big show. It's it, it's great though. Nothing. It's, it's hilarious. I I really I was hoping that Genius.com would have had a translation of the chorus though, but no <laughs> such luck. Yeah, I think of all the songs on this album, this is the worst offender of you know like Wreck or No Chance, where there is so little of the wrestler in the song because the song has just nothing to do with the big show at all. The rappers make it all about themselves. The chorus, we get in where we fit in, y'all know the time. Ho-banging, getting Skrilla, y'all check the rhyme. G's in, 2K, 9-9's behind. Behold, Frontline, it's our time to shine. What the hell? Yo, what the <laughs> hell does that mean? <laughs> no, but, no, like, there's all sorts of we's and R's in there. The verses are all about being rich and a great rapper and a big money hustler and all the bitches and jewelry and whatnot. That is not Big Show. None of the rappers even say the word big in their verses. They say show, mostly the verb form, but they don't say big. The only time you hear big is with the sample of the Big Show stinger. You know, well, it's the Big Show in the background. That's it. You know, it's like the song was written for a different project. It was put on the shelf for a little bit. And then when the rappers needed to come up with the song for the album, they dusted this off, added the samples in and said, yep, here you go. Here's your Big Show song. It, yeah, it just feels stitched together right down to the really out of place. Well, like those little samples that they yeah. intersperse into the ver it just sounds like I know what you're going for. I know you think that you're accomplishing it, but you're not. It is not working. It does not work. Yeah, the references to we all the time. Like, what are they? What are they talking about? The union? Did that happen by this point? I, you know, Big Show is not a we. He he is he is a, a very large man. You know, and I understand maybe they felt like 
oh, we have to get like four or five guys on here because he's such a big guy. You know, maybe maybe their weight will equal the big show's weight. And maybe that's that's the that's the connection we can make here. It, it, there's there's nothing. There's just nothing here. I, I just I don't get it. I really don't get it. Boo Capone. I would like to to point out here managed to reference Limp Biscuit, Rock Him, and Pokemon within a few bars of each other, and that I think is is very impressive. Has nothing to do with the Big Show, absolutely nothing to do with the Big Show. Now, if you wanted to do a Big Show hip hop song, I think what would have been a load of fun is if you get Shaquille O'Neal to ah. do. It. I think that would have been great. I think I think the kids would have loved it. You know, Shaq. He, many people maybe don't know he had a rap career. You know, he he the the song uh, I know I got skills. I'm outstanding. I, probably his uh, his biggest credit to date was uh, this time around on Michael Jackson's history album. Shaq actually raps, and uh, he's not very good at it. But neither was anyone else on this song when it comes to making a song about the Big Show. But uh, but yeah, um, I I love this song. I think it's horrible yeah i mean it's and the the bad thing is too like you said it replaced the old big show theme you know the the fun sassy well it's the big bad show night oh baby come on they replaced it with dink 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 <laughs> not good at all not 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 good at all not good at all but it, it but it's doggone hilarious i mean you gotta you gotta admit that if there was like a video that someone could produce you have this song Underneath the footage of the big show at WWF New York saying, WrestleMania, baby, woo! And then maybe splice that in with him surfing on his dad's casket. <laughs> I think I'd probably die. I think that'd be the funniest thing I've ever seen. So someone <laughs> get on that. All right. It's time now for track number 13, the final track on the album. And how appropriate that we're ending as we began two years ago. It was episode two, the Undertaker episode, that we first talked about this song. And now fast forward two years later, and we've come full circle. This is Mino with his song for The Undertaker. This is called Ministry. What a mic guy. Oh. Take a lot. Two thousand. It's Mino. And I'll be untouchable. We ain't never gonna stop. We ain't gonna never stop. Let's go. I got both. Rackless foes attacking my foes. I'm an inch away from the crown and my faculty knows. I'm in the middle of the pound. The bottom of the brick. The rawest of the raw. Get a teeth and trick with a flip. Uh, with precision, I made a decision. Either bury you alive or on the milk cart missing. Better yet, find me late night in your kitchen. Or a new flash, body found the late vision. Quick told dog when I speak, you better listen. Too late, 44's already on the mission. I'm the judge of the jury, witness and the DA. Red light, green light, car in the freeway. Everything rapping one. I'm the first that you kick when you rap for fun. I'm the person that you hit when you blast your gun. And what make it so sick that I just begun. First one, I'm known as the king. Where the mic at? Oh, <laughs> make it, make it lot. lot. 2000. It's Mino and I be untouchables. We ain't never gonna stop. We ain't gonna never stop. Let's go. So it's been a long time 
since episode two. Since that fateful day when we unleashed Mino on the masses. And I gotta say, listening to it again here after so long, I think I have much more of an appreciation for this song than I used to. Really? Especially especially compared to the previous song, Big. Compared to that, this thing rules. I mean, that intro with the choir in the background and that guitar rip, that the strings coming in, and then bam, I got miraculous flows attacking my foes. I'm an inch away from the crown and my faculty knows. Chris, I am pumping my fist in the air like, God damn it, Mino, you tell him what for. You tell him what for, Mino. Now, granted, I, I still don't know what the rawest of the raw guaranteed to trip when I flip has to do with The Undertaker. <laughs> but I still um, think it's about Sin Cara. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that's true for a lot of the lines in the song. Uh, but, you know, damn it, Chris, I enjoy it just the same. Yeah, it's our old pal Mino. I mean, this this really feels nostalgic, and it, it feels good coming back to this. But I, I, I don't know what more we can say about yeah. Mino that we didn't already say in the first episode. I mean... You know, he can go back to the vacant lot as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, I don't I don't really have uh, any hot takes on this one. I do have a suggestion that as soon as I thought of it, I, I, I became obsessed with. And I, I really do want this to happen at some point. Uh, I think Bone Thugs in Harmony would make an amazing Undertaker song. I think that would just be like, like, close up shop. Like, it's done. Nothing will ever be better than that. Like, to me... Bone Thugs and Harmony doing an Undertaker rap song. Oh man, like bring him back, bring bring him back and have him come out to that. Like he 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 could be repackaged again. <laughs> and at at this point, he cl- he clearly has uh, no sights set on uh, on retiring or hanging up the boots anytime soon. So just bring him back. Have Bone Thugs and Harmony do a song for him, and I would enjoy that immensely. I'd actually start watching the product again if if they did that. But yeah, as, as far as Mino goes, I mean Dame Grease. Bang, uh, bang up job hell of hell of a producer i loved his stuff with dmx back in the day i think this is a great beat and uh mino was mino and uh and i mean that um in the best way that i possibly can <laughs> yeah yeah i we've said pretty much everything there is to say about this song on the taker episode um i guess we will point out that once again mino he does make the song seem like it's mostly about him which i guess Looking back on the whole album, that is probably the biggest criticism towards it, that the rappers spent more time hyping themselves up than the wrestlers. You know, I I think if, if Jim Johnston was not just the exec producer on the album, but was actually personally overseeing these tracks and personally behind the board for them, you know, if he was more hands-on with, say... Amino or a Mac 10 or an ODB that, uh, okay, maybe not ODB because he's pretty nuts, but you know, but with these rappers, you know, if he was behind the board, he could have told them, you know, rein it in. Don't go in this direction, go in this direction. This is what we want you to do. But they didn't do that. And as a result, you've got a lot of songs here that kind of go off the reservation. Yeah, Jim Johnston would have done that, but he also would have put metal guitars on all of these songs. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, that's the trade-off. There. And he wouldn't have it but any other way. He wouldn't have it any other way. Big Jimmy, that's what he does. I mean, but this, I love that on the two-year anniversary episode, 
we can close off with this song because this is how we closed off the first episode. And, and I went back and actually listened to that uh, before we recorded to the, to the Mino bit. And uh, you know, I thought it was great. I, I laughed, I cried, I cringed. Um, it's really just fitting that we get to close off this episode this way. You know, it's uh, I can't believe it's been two years since this whole thing started, but, uh, but no, this is, this just reminded me of how much fun this, uh, this can be just getting to chat about wrestling themes with you. So, Thank you very much for having me on. This has been a blast. Yeah, I agree. 100%. This was a ton of fun. Aggression, for all of its faults, it's certainly one of the most unique albums that the WWE slash F ever put out. Because, like I said, a lot of the themes that we played here today did not make it to television. They were written for the album, and that's where they stayed. And... That concept, you know, bringing in so many prominent outside artists to make songs that for the most part weren't going to be used as themes on WWF programming, that's a pretty out there idea, especially in terms of today's, you know, WWE, because I think WWE would absolutely feature prominent rappers from today on this, you know, project or whatever, on this album, and they would feature them on TV every week. You know, they would want that publicity and crossover appeal. And also the fact that I think, you know, WWE, they don't put out albums anymore, of new releases anyway. You know, they have the Uncaged series, but that's like, you know, old vault stuff. They are not putting out albums of CFO's material they do singles releases on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes, because that's the trend with music now. And the idea of a, a physical album really isn't in line with today's trends. So Aggression, as an album, it's kind of this once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing, which is pretty cool, I think. Absolutely. And it would be interesting to then compare it to forcible entry and reckless intent which had kind of a similar type of concept and you know stretching it out a few different ways and 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 see what was different what worked what didn't you know which of these albums wound up actually lending themselves to being used on tv more and you know spoiler alert it's not going to be this one i do think that the aggression concept could really work wwe is not going to be the company to do it today but i think it would be really interesting if a company that was kind of savvy with you know when it comes to music and and pop culture and things like that would get you know artists with names to actually record songs and do a project and you know even if it's just for streaming you know these are songs that you can use on tv you can get the press you can get the publicity you can have artists bring their fans over to the product you can then turn wrestling fans onto different artists i think it's kind of like what they're doing in NXT with the the NXT loud thing where they're getting kind of, you know, smaller, kind of more independent or, or lesser known bands to do music for the NXT takeovers and things like that. You could do something like that as a whole project or as just a playlist on Spotify or something. And I think it would really work. And I, I think it might resonate with people if you if you did it the right way. But WWE will likely not be the company to do that, though. All right, well, that does it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone for the past two years. Uh, if you're a listener, if you're a former guest co-host, 
if you're part of Voices of Wrestling, if you're Chris Maffei, uh, I just want all of you to know that it is because of your continued support that this podcast is still around. You guys keep me going and you keep me motivated with your kind words. Uh, just knowing that I have people who care about this this stupid, silly show and put up with my nonsense is just plain awesome. And Chris, when you left the show all that time ago, um, I was nervous because I had never handled a podcast by myself before. Uh, hosting it, getting guests, producing it, editing it, all that stuff. And now it's over a year later, and I can truthfully say that I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Somebody help me, please. <laughs> no, but, no, no, uh, no, no, you've I, I am constantly amazed at just the amount of work that I hear that you put into this show. I'm just constantly amazed because, you know, we both work in radio. You know, I know how it is to be working on something all day and then come home. And then in your spare time, do the same thing for fun. So I know what that can kind of feel like, that you never stop working. And for you to be just consistently for two years now, putting in the work and putting in the time and the care and going the extra mile all the time for this show, it's really amazing to listen to. And I've become such a huge fan of this show, which is weird. You would think it'd be weird. A podcast you used to be on it might be a little bit weird listening, but no, I can completely take that out of the equation and just enjoy listening to you speaking with all types of different people from different backgrounds. And the different people add so much to the show that it's really a, a really cool podcast. It's just a fucking cool podcast. And I'm really glad that I get to enjoy it now from the other side. But I, I do appreciate all the work that you do in keeping this thing going because it, it makes me proud to see things like I know the podcast was uh, nominated for um, the Post Wrestling Awards recently. And I know you got a lot of votes on that. And it, it just goes to show you that, man, that work is is all being, you know, it's being appreciated. It's being listened to. And people love the show. And I love the show. And uh, I just I'm really happy that you have continued to do it. And I hope that. You know, this time next year, we're sitting here talking about, you know, something goofy like WWE Originals or something <laughs> like that on the three-year uh, anniversary episode. Because uh, and that wasn't official. Let me write request, that down. Hang on one I, second. I'm I was born it in. to talk about crossing borders by Rey Mysterio <laughs> on a podcast. That was what I was born to do. God damn it! But yeah, I, I hope this time next year we're having the, we're having the same chat, uh, and I know it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, being honest, I, I have learned so much doing this podcast, and it's been so much fun as well, uh, especially with the people that I have on. I, I I consider myself to be a very lucky boy with the caliber of guests that I have on the show. So yeah, in summation, thank you to everybody for the past two years, and thank you again, Chris, for being here and for celebrating this milestone with me. I could not do this episode with anybody else. You were the only one I could do it with. So uh, thank you for answering the call. And uh, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> traveling down the road and back again. Your heart is true. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I love coming back on. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to do it, uh, you know, whenever you uh, would love to have me on, whenever you'd like to have me on. Um, and I hope to see you WrestleMania weekend if I'm around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you'll be in my neck of the I'll woods. So it would be great for the power cords of pain to finally meet. 
Yeah, face to face, finally. Yeah. Uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. No, um, you know, I really got nothing going on in terms of uh, public projects. I'm I'm doing some work on a, on a few different things, but it's nothing that I'm really ready to talk about publicly now. Just uh, keep supporting the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. There's a lot of great shows. I really enjoyed listening to Everything Elite this week. Uh, I I thought that was a blast. And I'm glad that Mike Spears will be covering all of the Dragon System related things going on in all elite wrestling. So uh, so that was fun to hear. But yeah, just keep supporting Music of the Mat. Keep supporting Voice of Wrestling. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. And Music of the Mat is indeed part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find other great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can find the YouTube playlist for this and all past episodes at the VOW forums. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever. And of course, if you haven't done so already, you can purchase the Voices of Wrestling 2018 New Japan Year in Review ebook. It is a massive tome looking back on the year 2018 in New Japan. Profiles, essays, stats, reviews, artwork, the whole shebangabang. I wrote for it, and so did many other talented people. So you can buy it at voicesofwrestling.com slash njpw18. That's the number one eight. Uh, there are links there to Payhip and Amazon. Payhip is pay what you want. Amazon is five ninety nine. Just know that however much you pay, all of the proceeds are split up amongst the contributors. So it all goes back to the people who worked hard on the book. So if you want to buy it, please do so. It's a great book. Again, that's voicesofwrestling.com slash njpw18. Uh, Chris, one more time, thank you for being here. And uh, I guess I'll talk to you in about uh, uh, 12 months or so. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a date. You got me working the Santa Claus once a year schedule here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right. For Chris Maffei, I'm Andrew Rich. And I'll see you next time on year three of Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.